Hello everyone. My name is Langjin Gayaman. It is a bit weird, isn't it, to say your name in a podcast? Well, anyway, welcome to my podcast where I talk about anything really that piques my interest. While today's podcast is part of an assignment for my university course, I still find the topic somewhat interesting. It is about a video, actually, from TEDx, which you can check the video first if you want and pause the podcast. The video is called How Good Are You At Calculating, Calculating Risk by Ger- Gerd Gigerenz. It's just a German name, I believe. And assuming that you had watched it or are just too lazy to care, I'll give you a quick rundown. So the video talks about how statistical data shown through relative or absolute terms can change our perspective on evaluating risk. A quick example shown in the video is a drug that reduces heart attack where 10 out of 1,000 people who didn't take the drug had a heart attack, while for people who did take the drug, only 6 out of 1,000 individuals had a heart attack. In this context, the absolute risk of individuals getting a heart attack without taking the drug is 1%. For, of course, 10 out of 1,000 individuals, and after taking the drug, it is 0.6% for 6 out of 1,000 individuals. And this 0.4 reduction in the absolute term felt rather irrelevant, isn't it? But the, the relative term instead portrays a different image, stating that the drug could prevent 4 out of four out of 10 heart attacks and relative risk reduction of 40%. That the 40% decrease sounds a lot more significant than it actually is. Of course, it doesn't really deny the effect that it had, but at, at the grand scheme of things, it is a rather small, right? In comparison to what it is actually trying to, or what it actually is. Now, that's basically the video. Of course, there are more nuances than that, but you should watch the video instead for more detail. Anyway, let's talk about the content itself. More so than the question that I had regarding the content, especially why we fear things that are unlikely to cause us any harm. The video itself talks about how statistical data that are often shown to the public can be misleading and only amplify the response that one might have on certain things, both the good and the bad. And this, of course, is one of the reasons why individuals fear things even if the chance of an unfortunate offense to occur is extremely small. For example, using the example of a drug earlier, institutions may promote a certain type of drug by publicizing its relative term even when the absolute term itself felt irrelevant to increase um, the positive reaction that individual had toward the drug itself in order to promote sales, or may cause, or in another case, one may cause an uproar over a certain rise of disease, even when the number of its increase only small. For example, only 0.2%. For example, and it's irrelevant, right? But through relative measurement, if the initial number was 0.2%, for example, and the number goes up to 0.8%, then one can say that the number has quadrupled, which makes the event much more significant, even if the number itself seemingly only increased by a small margin. And this, of course, will result in public fear or outrage. But I felt that this doesn't really explain why individuals, even when they see the statistics, still chose to do things that felt irrational and different from the majority. The video, for example, give an give a, a type of example that some individual just refused to go uh, swimming on a beach, for example, over the fear of being bitten by a shark, even though the chances are minuscule. According to the data, a person's chance of being attacked by a shark is one in eleven point five million. 
And the reason this occurs, I think, depends on many factors, but in general, it often boils down to three things. By the way, this is just my personal analysis, so you might find more causes that can influence this, and if you do, please leave it in the comments. So first is personal experience. If, for example, whether you or someone close to you had a dead or near dead experience due to a certain thing, then you most likely will attempt to do something that will reduce the likelihood of the thing happening again, especially to you or someone close to you, even if those chances are relatively small. For example, if you are bitten again by a snake in a jungle, for example, then you most likely aren't willing to go into the deep jungle again, even if the jungle doesn't always have snakes in them. Or perhaps you had your loved one die due to diabetes, which resulted in you eating a lot more healthy or just refuse to eat junk food altogether. The second is circumstances or one's conditions. This oftentimes boils down to how individual circumstances may impact the value of a certain choice and pick those choices even if most people think it was not worth it. For example, if you are in an absolute poverty state and are given a chance to get money but as a trade, you must undergo a certain trial for an unknown drug, for example, with an unknown risk, it is most likely that you will take that risk to get out of poverty. Or perhaps you are sick from a certain debilitating disease that caused you to have breathing problems, for example, and have been then and has been making your life miserable for as long as you can remember. And this disease has no cure, but you have a choice of taking a drug that will either cause death or cure you with 50% chance. You might take those drugs rather than having to live the life of suffering. And thirdly, is an innate condition such as phobia or personality that make you much more cautious or fearful of a certain thing. For example, if you are afraid of the sea or called thalassophobia, if I'm not mistaken, you may, you may refuse to go to a beach or a lake even when there's nothing that can directly harm you. Then these three, I would argue, are the main reason and basis for individual's evaluation of values and why individuals fear certain things that are often or most likely wouldn't cause them any harm. But as you may notice, as you may have noticed, those reasons and factors are that I've mentioned are subjective and individualized. One fear may be different from others and a thing that is scary to some may not be the case to others. And this is simply what makes evaluation of risk and choices so difficult. But this fear of chances and uncertainty with the example I showed earlier are often times of choice and in many cases then don't impact your ability to have a fulfilling life. Just because you are afraid of a beach or a lake, doesn't really, you do, doesn't really have to go there, right? You can still live a functioning life without having to go to a beach or a lake. But what if, for example, this fear does have an impact of your life? What if this fear of a certain possibility and uncertainty hinders your ability to live a fulfilling life? The question does become, can we overcome, right? And learn to deal with our fear of uncertainty? Well, and if the question is whether it is possible or not, then yes, it is entirely possible. As stated by Professor Isaac Marks of King's College London Institute of Psychiatry, in the case of phobia, for example, it can be treated through self-exposure therapy, where you are slowly exposed to the thing you are afraid of and eventually realize that it is safe. But I'm not so much interested in whether one is capable of dealing with uncertainty, which we had established that it can, right? but more so on whether we should deal with those fear and uncertainty. And like many things, I think the answer lies somewhere in the middle. I think that 
if it directly impacts how you function and reduce your ability to live a fulfilling life, then I would say one must overcome this fear. For example, if you are scared of eating because you insist that someone poison your food, for example, this paranoia that occurs in some individuals, even when there is no proof of it, just a single chance of it that you are extremely fearful of, then yes, one must overcome this fear through treatment as it might directly cause them to have health problems or even lead to death, right? But if it's something trivial, as I said earlier, like just simply being afraid of shark or doesn't want to go into some places, then I don't think it is necessarily required for individuals to go and face their fears, anything speaking. However, I want to go deeper. And let's ask another question instead. In the case of choice and decision, for example, that we have been talking until this point, right? Does uncertainty or chances or statistic itself matter? In making choices for our own life, does uncertainty or chances itself matter? Well, I think it's a bit of both, yes and no. But I'm more so leaning towards it has an impact, but it's very small that there are other things, other factors that are often contribute or just directly diminishing the, the influence of uncertainty and chances. Okay, let's use an example first. So, for example, should we force individuals that are suffering from cancer to undergo cancer treatment? Okay, cancer treatment are often difficult, long, and expensive process. And chances are often not so great as well. Thus, while some chose to take that risk, others refuse to do so and spend whatever months they are left to live by spending time with family and friends. The question is, to those who doesn't want the treatment, should we interfere with their ability to choose and control their own life over our interpretation of possibilities? So, it doesn't matter, right, whether the chances are 80% or 40% for them to live. In the context of choice, does, does chance or uncertainty itself matter? Should we, at least in this context, force them to take those treatments even if they refuse to? Even if those percentage, uh, this different percentage of their uh, survivability are in their favor. So one might say, of course, you should, right? Because with that higher rate of percentage, with that higher rate of likelihood to survive, then there is a chance for the patient to survive, of course, and live a long and healthy life. But I think it's not that simple. You know? In this situation, perhaps they didn't have any funds for the treatment and they didn't want to leave a massive debt if it failed. Or the treatment itself is too difficult and they are too old, so it's better to just spend time with family and friends and some just didn't want to. And the question of whether should we interfere with their choices is difficult. It's difficult in a way that we can simply understand or fit our shoes onto these individuals and feel what they felt. And in this disconnect in how we felt is what makes it so difficult and often left us in the dark about why people chose the thing that we failed to understand. And in the life of an individual, the question often boils down to who makes the choice. Simply in the context of cancer patients, again, whose decision is it to go to either go forward or cancel the treatment? Seemingly, it is the patient itself, right? But the influence of others and our surrounding makes the uncertain and chances of the process of treatment matters very little. Even if the chances are low, oftentimes individuals still chose to go with the treatment because they um, they are being supported by their family and friends. Or perhaps if the chances are high, some, um, some had their doctors telling them it's a good chance of surviving. 
But what about the patient itself? What did he or she wants in separation to its surrounding? And what about you who currently hear this? Is it your decision to hear me like talk for about, I don't know, 10 minutes or so? Or you may think that it is you while in truth, your decision is very much shaped by your surrounding. And that the decision is often derived from your family and friends or your surroundings again. For example, you are scared of that horror film that you always, uh, that your friends always talk about, and your friends keep insisting you to watch it. And this is the way that your friends force you to, uh, force you to watch it, so you brave yourself and watch it. You don't want to hear me talk talk about the things that I talk about at the moment. You don't want to hear me talk, but your lecturer told you to, or the university forced you to hear this, so you had to. The simple example, of course. Can escalate. If, uh, can escalate. What about decisions that impact your life? The, this, the reason you go to your to the university, the reason for you for your marriage, or the reason that you live. Was it all by and for yourself, or was it the desire of your family, of ones around you, or others' image towards you? But is it ever for yourself? There are risks, you know, in going to, for example, university, for example, but. We doesn't really seem to understand that the risk doesn't really matter as much as it is oftentimes things that are being forced onto us. It is more so a responsibility that are being enforced by us by our surroundings. And in this case, many individuals live not for themselves but for others and how others often perceive them. Life is hard, but when you had a family at home, it is often barred us from the things we wish to do. In truth. We are never free, right? But shackled by how others want us to be, and we strive to fulfill that expectation. And in order to fulfill that expectation, does uncertainty or fear of the decision itself matter? Mm, it's matter at the end of the day very little, I would argue. That in the pre in the pressure of our surroundings, of the things that they think is correct. The chances of it or the uncertainty that it often brings on the choices really matter so little. And our, and our surroundings and our environment matters a lot more. At least what I'm trying to say is simple, you know. While the data shown in the video are in many cases objective, the interpretation of the data itself is very much still shrouded in subjectivity. This subjectivity, while in part comes from the individual personality, it also derives itself from its surroundings that are much different from the one who judges. And when pushed to the extreme in some of these examples, the importance of fear and uncertainty in choices become very little. While individual and society are capable of curing the fear itself or overcoming those fears, the question of whether we should do so oftentimes is a more difficult conundrum. Alright, thanks for listening. I hope you guys enjoy my ramblings of fear and uncertainty. Feel free to ask any questions in the comments and I will see you another time. Thank you.